the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN Pinellas Park, W262CP Bayonet Point. Brought to you by Moss Nissan. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. I would say that to be religious means that you are caught up in observances and you are caught up in traditions and and ceremonies and you are very concerned about your practice, but it would be a works type of situation. You are trying to work your way into the kingdom of God rather than having accepted the fact that you are a sinner and that you can never merit God's favor and you come and you trust Jesus Christ as the one who paid for your sins. I'll be very transparent and admit that when people refer to my religion, I often don't know quite how to respond at first. It's difficult for me because the person who thinks I have a religion has shown such a profound ignorance of the gospel and who Jesus Christ is that I need divine wisdom to even begin to reply in an effective manner. But religion is the only means the unsaved know of to try to appease God. And in their religion, whether they have thought it through or not, they have rejected Christ. Hello, thanks for joining us today for another Verse by Verse and the start of the next series of lessons from Pastor Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been serving for over 28 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These classes are adapted from his teaching sermons. Today, we begin a new study from the Gospel of Mark, Chapter 15. There are several reasons that people have for rejecting the Lord Jesus. Pastor Steve will be dealing with them in the next few days. We'll begin right now with reason number one, religion. Now here's Pastor Steve with our lesson. I invite you to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15. And I'd like to read verses 1 through 20, though we will not cover all these verses this morning. But this is the trial before Pontius Pilate, the trial of Christ before Pontius Pilate. As you're turning there, let me say, remember I told you that when you're considering the trial of Christ, it's broken into the religious trial before the Jewish leaders, and that had three phases, and then it also, after that, was uh, Jesus appeared before the Roman secular authorities, and also that had three phases. Now we come to the first phase of the secular trial. And early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders and scribes and the whole council immediately held a consultation, and binding Jesus, they led him away and delivered him up to Pilate. And Pilate questioned him, are you the king of the Jews? And answering, he said to him, it is as you say. The chief priests began to accuse him harshly. And Pilate was questioning him again, saying, do you make no answer? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pilate was astonished. Now at the feast he used to release for them, 
any one prisoner whom they requested. And the man named Barabbas had been imprisoned with the insurrectionists who had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitude went up and and began asking him to do as he had been accustomed to do for them. And Pilate answered answered them saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he was aware that the chief priests had delivered him up because of envy. But the chief priests stirred up the multitude to ask him to release Barabbas for them instead. And answering again, Pilate was saying to them, Then what shall I do to him whom you call the king of the Jews? And they shouted back, Crucify him. And Pilate was saying to them, Why, what evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. And wishing to satisfy the multitude, Pilate released Barabbas for them. And after having Jesus scourged, he delivered him over to be crucified. And the soldiers took him away into the palace, that is the praetorium, and they uh, called together the whole Roman cohort, and they dressed him up in purple, and after weaving a crown of thorns, they put it on him, and they began to acclaim him, Hail, King of the Jews. And they kept beating him with a reed, and spitting at him, and kneeling and bowing before him. And after they had mocked him, they took the purple off him, and put his garments on him, and they led him out to crucify him tough passage of scripture and we want to we want to look at it step by step but recently I was in a uh, Christian bookstore in Asheville North Carolina and as I looked around that bookstore I found myself feeling very uncomfortable and I like Christian books at least some of them and uh, and and I usually enjoy being around uh, books that have some substance to them but uh, this was more than than books I found myself being very uncomfortable because I began to realize that we Christians have created a little subculture, a strange subculture. Uh, We have our own music, we have our own t-shirts, we have our own sweatshirts, we have our own greeting cards, we have our own cups and saucers, we have our own knickknacks, you can even get combs and brushes that have some kind of a scripture on it. Anything you want for a nice little price. And I couldn't help but think as I looked around that bookstore, what would the early church think of all of this? They'd be astonished. They'd be shocked. It would be absolutely foreign to them. They would have never thought of such a thing as a little Christian subculture. They were just trying to survive persecution. They didn't have time to think about knickknacks and merchandising Jesus and, and, uh, and using all this to market him. If you understand that the early church was a persecuted church, a persecuted church looking for help and answers to deal with their severe persecution, then you'll understand why the, why the gospel writer Mark gives so much attention to the events involving the rejection of Jesus. Understand that his gospel was written primarily not for American Christians who created a little subculture and feel very comfortable in a church, Now, he wrote his gospel account specifically to the Christians at Rome in order to not only give an account of the life of Christ, but also to encourage and strengthen them as they face persecution from the Roman authorities. There were trials, there were suffering, there was persecution, and they needed some help. Now, that's you need to understand that. You see, because they were tempted to deny Jesus Christ In the face of suffering, Mark takes so much time to tell them about Peter who did deny Jesus Christ and he also weaves in there how not to do that. 
How to avoid that pride and prayerlessness and all the things we've been looking at the last few weeks. That's really the background of, of why would Mark spend so much time telling, telling them about the denial of, of Peter, denying Christ. It's because the church at Rome faced that same uh, temptation. Also, if you understand that, then you'll understand why Mark spends so much time to tell us how Jesus stood firm under pressure and before his accusers. Because he wants the church at Rome to understand that this is the way you do it. You don't retaliate. You don't fight back. You don't get intimidated. You, you, you don't try to defend yourself. That sort of, of stuff. And that's what he's, where he's really coming from. Now that was chapter 14. And he spends a lot of time on that. Now as chapter 15 opens, Mark tells them, and by way of application, certainly us, about another phase of Christ's sufferings, his trial before the governor uh, Pontius Pilate, the governor of Judea. Now in this portion of scripture that we've just read, verses 1 through 20, we really read of four main groups or individuals. And in each of these groups, you see their reaction to Jesus. Now, I'm, I'm sort of building a case that I want you to follow with me. You see the Sanhedrin, that's the council of the religious leaders, the highest ruling authority in Israel as far as a religious authority, and their life centered around religion. So we'll call them the religious leaders. And you see that they had absolute animosity towards Jesus. They hated him. They plotted to kill him. They brought him to Pontius Pilate, who questions Jesus and uh, then makes a decision. It was the, the ball, as we say, was in his court, and he made the official decision that Jesus was to be crucified, in spite of the fact that he found him innocent. And we'll study about Pontius Pilate, Lord willing, next week. But Pilate rejected Jesus as well as the Sanhedrin. Make no mistake about that. He had different reasons, different motivations, but he rejected Jesus nonetheless. Then you have the crowd who yell, crucify him, crucify him. Now, just a week earlier, they're yelling, Hosanna. Blessed are God is the, in the highest. And they're believing that he's the Messiah. But a week later, now they're yelling, crucify him, crucify him. Why? You have that group. Then you have the fourth group. You have the soldiers who beat upon Jesus and mock him and are very cruel to him. The soldiers who absolutely knew very little about what was going on did this. Now, in, in each of these groups, we see and we want to discover why they rejected Jesus. They each had their own reason. There were different reasons, but they rejected Jesus. They had their own motivation. And the reason we want to see this is because the, the suffering early church and us as we go through difficulties and trials uh, because of our faith in Christ, uh, to, but to this early church, it would be such a help to them. It would help them to know the real reason behind their own persecution. In other words, they might have thought maybe there's something wrong with what we believe. Maybe there's something wrong with the gospel. And what Mark wants them to see is that there's nothing wrong with the gospel. And what we need to see is there's nothing wrong with our message. The hatred and rejection of Jesus stems from other things. It's not our message. So in each group, we're going to see people who uh, we, we really know. You know religious people. And you know people just like Pontius Pilate. And you know people just like that, that crowd that yelled crucify him. And you know people who are ignorant just like the soldiers, but they still reject Jesus. And we want to see why do people reject him. And that's what we're going to begin to discover this, this morning. We're going to use Mark's gospel as a springboard to other scriptures to sort of bring this together to help us discover reasons 
for rejecting Jesus Christ. So if you're taking note, the f- notes, the first thing we want to say is, why do religious people reject Christ? Now, I'm making a distinction between those who are religious and those who know Jesus Christ. I would say that to be religious means that you are caught up in observances and you are caught up in traditions and, and ceremonies and you are very um, very concerned about your practice but it would be a, a works type of, of situation. You are trying to work your way into the kingdom of God rather than having accepted the fact that you are a sinner and that you can never uh, merit God's favor and you come and, and uh, you trust Jesus Christ as the one who paid for your sins. And you enter, therefore, into a relationship with Jesus Christ and you are no longer really religious. You are now in a relationship You are no longer basing your eternal destiny on what you do, but now only upon what Christ has done for you on the cross. So I want to be clear. I'm making that distinction. Having said that, let's begin by looking at verse 1 and see why did the religious leaders reject Jesus and why do religious people today continue to reject Jesus and make no mistake about it, they do reject Jesus in spite of how it may appear. Verse 1. And early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders and scribes and the whole council, that's the whole Sanhedrin, immediately held a consultation and binding Jesus, they led him away and delivered him up to Pilate. Now, as we put the gospel accounts together, we, uh, we see that apparently from three o'clock in the morning until daybreak, Jesus must have been held as a prisoner at the house of, of Caiaphas. Remember, the religious leaders uh, seized him. They brought him to the house of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. And it had to be after midnight, and they have interrogated him, and they have confirmed that he must die. Uh, the cock crowed the second time would have been at 3 o'clock. We know that that's the time. From 12 to 3 is when the cock would crow. He crowed the second time. Peter denied Jesus the second time. As he said, you'll deny me three times uh, after the cock crows, when the cock crows twice. And so from about 3 in the morning to about daybreak, let's say 5 to 6 in the morning, Jesus must have been held as a prisoner in the residency of Caiaphas, the high priest. We really don't know what went on in those hours, but that must have been what happened. Now, as I said before, they had already reached a decision concerning Jesus. Notice verse 64 of chapter 14. The high priest, Caiaphas, says, you have heard the blasphemy. And what is the blasphemy? The blasphemy that Jesus is, is the Messiah. Jesus claimed to be Messiah and deity. And they said, you've heard the blasphemy. How does it seem to you, he asked the council, and they all condemned him to be deserving of death. So the decision is already reached, but they had a problem. They could not carry out their plan to execute Jesus until the morning. And that was for two reasons. Let me explain. Number one, according to rabbinical law of that day, no legal sentence could be passed at nighttime. Isn't that interesting? It's interesting to me that they're concerned with with any semblance of legality when the whole thing was either illegal or certainly immoral and unjust. This wasn't a fair trial, but anyway, uh, because of that, they could not pass a sentence. They could not uh, officially pass sentence on somebody at nighttime. It had to be in the morning. So at daytime, between 5, 6 o'clock, something like that, they gather together, and now they are officially passing sentence just so they could appear to be legal and sort of help their conscience along. 
The second reason why they were hindered by the nighttime is that only the Roman authorities could carry out the death penalty. They could not. The Sanhedrin could pronounce the death penalty, and they did. They said he's worthy of death. He must die. But they were powerless. They could not execute anybody unless they went against the law. And in a few cases, they obviously had to do that. But in this case, they could not exercise capital punishment. Only Rome could do that. And we know from history that Roman trials were held first thing in the morning. So that's what's going on in verse 1. They convene very early and they have to get Jesus to Pilate before Pilate gets going into his day and whatever, you know, a Roman official would, would do, but they don't want to miss the trial. So they're up bright and early and uh, they bring Jesus to Pontius Pilate. They bound him, they brought him to the, the governor. Now, Lord willing, next week we're going to look at Pontius Pilate. He's a fascinating character. Fascinating character. We'll look at some history, some background about him. We'll see, obviously, what the scriptures say. And we'll also discover why he rejected Jesus. And you know a lot of people like Pontius Pilate. They may not have, uh, they may not be governors of anything, but uh, in their character and makeup, uh, their motives for rejecting Christ are very, very similar. But what we want to look at this morning is why did the religious leaders reject Jesus? And why do religious people reject him? There are basically two reasons that we'll look at. First of all, they were threatened by Jesus. Understand that they were very threatened by Jesus. And we even see this in the context. If you notice verse 10, it says, for he, meaning Pilate, was aware that the chief priests had delivered him up because of what? Envy, jealousy, Pilate is, in, in essence, and we'll see this, uh, he's playing games with, with them. Uh, he knows that the religious leaders have brought Jesus to him because of envy. So he says, aha, I'll let the people decide. And the people will obviously choose Jesus over Barabbas, but uh, that was not the case. But that's what's going on here. He's saying, I know why these rotten leaders did this, because they're envious of Jesus, but the people... They are on my side. They'll let him go. But it backfires on him. But the point that I want you to see in verse 10 is that they were envious. They were jealous of the influence that Jesus had with the common people. Remember, in Israel, you have the religious leaders, but you also have the common people. He was, for the most part, very popular with the common people, especially those from the northern part of the country, the Galilean uh, Jews. And so... uh, They are jealous and envious. And this is confirmed by what Caiaphas had said earlier in that week. Let's look at John chapter 11 again. And we've seen this before, but I'm going to show you some some other things here and some different angles. Uh, John chapter 11. It's a week before, and uh, Jesus has raised Lazarus, his friend, from the, the grave he has brought him back to, to life. It is technically not a resurrection, but he uh, raised him back to life. And uh, you would think that a miracle would soften people's hearts. But I've said many times, miracles don't soften anybody's hearts. If you're not inclined and softened by the grace of God, you're not going to be softened by a miracle. And here's what, here's what happened. Verse 47, therefore, the chief priests and the Pharisees convened the council and were saying, what are we doing? For this man is performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, all men will believe in him. I mean, isn't that absurd? Here he's raised somebody from the dead who is dead for three days. In fact, that's that wonderful language in the King James Version says, after three days, he stinketh. 
I mean, he was dead for three days. And all they're saying is, if we let him go, I guess everybody's going to believe in him. All men will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away our place and our nation. This is, this is amazing. And, and we, can, we can just stop there. But all they're concerned about is the power play. They are not concerned with the, with the issue, is Jesus the Messiah? That's the only issue they should have been concerned about. Is he the truth? I mean, who goes around raising people from the dead? The issue, as they saw it, wasn't whether Jesus was the Messiah or not. The truth wasn't their concern, like many people today. It is not their concern. They were determined to stay in power, even if it meant killing Christ and doing away with their opposition. They were, they were determined that they were going to win this game. It's a power game to them. Now, I want to just apply this and, and bring in a, a principle here. Religious leaders today often have the same problem with Jesus. They often have the same problem with him. False religious leaders and, and often professional theologians reject Jesus not because they have looked objectively at the issues, not because they have studied the matter, but because they love to control people and to exercise authority over them. And they see Jesus, quite frankly, as a rival to them. They don't want people following Jesus and falling in love with him because that will lessen their control over people. You see this especially in the cults. Uh, One of the marks of a cult is that there's some type of a messianic leader who has absolute control over these people. Whatever he says goes. He certainly wouldn't want them turning to Jesus. You also see this, uh, you can see this in, in rabbis and priests and ministers as well, and professional theologians. They're threatened by someone who, uh, who tells them about Jesus. You try to go and speak to somebody like that, and there's a, there's a tremendous uh, jealousy there that they will not admit, but that's the bottom line. You see, power is very addicting. It's, it, you can get very addicted to power. Let's look at Mark chapter 12, just a few chapters back. And you see how Jesus addressed this issue and what he had to say. Mark chapter 12, verse 37. I'm just jumping back 37. Actually, 38 begins a new section, but notice the contrast. Jesus said, David himself calls him Lord, so in what sense is he his son? And the great crowd enjoyed listening to him. Isn't that interesting? You have to picture that he's in the temple area, and the crowd enjoys listening, and the common people enjoy listening to him. Uh, he speaks their language. There's no false piosity there. He's, he's humble. He's genuine. He talks to them about their needs. He, he doesn't lord it over them. But watch this. Notice verse 38. And in his teaching, he was saying, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like respectful greetings in the marketplaces. See, they wanted to be greeted. They wanted everybody to salute them and recognize how wonderful they were. And the chief seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. He said, they're the ones who devour widows' houses and for appearance sake offer long prayers. And he said, these will receive greater condemnation. They'll do anything to, to get power and prestige, and they love for people to salute them and recognize them and sort of bow down to them, and they love that type of recognition. There are religious leaders like that today. Beware of them. Beware of them. That's a, uh, Jesus was condemning them, and he said they will receive condemnation. You see, this is why true biblical leadership is always based upon servanthood and not manipulation. Not manipulation. In fact, if you go back a few chapters to Mark chapter 10, verse 42. 
Mark 10, verse 42, and calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, and they were arguing, by the way, over his disciples, over who was the greatest in the kingdom. He said, you know that, that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. I mean, it wasn't just Jewish religious leaders, but the secular authorities, they lorded it over them. And their great men exercise authority over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servants, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave over all. See, we don't control people. We don't control people. We point them to Jesus Christ. That's our job. Isn't that what Paul said? When he said, we preach Christ, not ourselves. We preach Jesus as Lord. We don't preach ourselves, and we're not out to control people, but Understand that that was why the religious leaders so hated Christ. They were jealous of him. And rather than examining the issues, they just said, let's do away with him. It's either him or us. And uh, we're going to make sure it's him. There is another reason why the Jewish leaders of Jesus' day, and so many religious leaders today, reject Jesus. But our time is running out, so Pastor Steve will cover that on our next Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, is our teacher. These Bible classes of the air are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry supported by the gifts and prayers of our listeners. To hear this broadcast again, or to learn more about Verse by Verse Ministries, visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can also order a CD or cassette with Pastor Steve's message by calling us at 727-239-0306. Few things make a person angrier than being seen for... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.